Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast. I'm joined today by Vandana Singh, Senior Vice President of Secure Power North America at Schneider Electric. Prior to her role at Schneider, which she started earlier this year, Vandana spent over 20 plus years at Dell Inc in senior executive positions across multiple functional arenas. For over a decade, Vandana served as chair and board member for Asians in Action, an employee resource group at Dell, which promotes inclusion, advancement, and integration of Asian employees. Currently, Vandana serves on the board of Dress for Success, a nonprofit that strives to empower women on their path to economic independence. Thank you so much for joining us today, Vandana. Thank you, Sam, for having me. Really excited to be here with you. We often on the podcast like to start at the beginning. So how did you personally first get into engineering? Do you remember if there was that, you know, spark, that specific moment from childhood that, you know, started that interest in STEM? Well, look, I grew up in India and in the 80s with the trend of globalization and the trend of computing, there was a lot of focus in engineering period, right? And really, as uh, young adults, we had really a lot of options in terms of pursuing the engineering slash science fields that we were most passionate about. And, And I think that really set the framework for me to pursue the area that I was most passionate about. And equally so, I was always the one at home when with the power fluctuations in India, when your iron or anything bust, I was the one that took the screwdriver and opened up something to go fix it. So it was always there, the intent and interest to understand how gadgets and how technology worked. And the macro environment certainly fueled the passion to be a part of that growing trend. That's so interesting because we spoke to a guest on a previous episode who also immigrated from a different country, and their story is quite similar to yours, that it was evident early in their childhood that there was a natural curiosity to, if something broke, they were the ones to be curious to fix it. So that's interesting that there's a similarity there. Right, right. You know, I, I was quite passionate about the creative side of the world as well, but There's the practical side of the world in the sense that you choose the creative side to pursue your passions, but at the same time, the practical side was also to pursue technology and somewhere in the life, try to find a convergence between the two. So I think it it has indeed worked out well. Mm -hmm. So that initial interest was sparked. And then what was the path with your education to become an engineer and work in STEM? 
Right. So, you know, I did my bachelor's in science with specific focus on physics and mathematics, and then continued onwards. At the same time, as a lot of folks were doing in India or young adults were doing in India, I also spent quite a bit of time learning computer science, right? The old languages of COBOL and Fortran and so on and so forth. And you had to make a decision on what I was more passionate about. And clearly computer science wasn't the area that truly resonated with me because I couldn't mm-hmm. see myself computing at a desk for my livelihood, right? For my, mm-hmm. for my professional growth. But however, the whole aspects of physics and mathematics was a lot more interesting because it really taught me how things work, which is really what my interest was in. And I built on that and uh, did a master's in MIS in Bangalore as well in India before I started working at Tektronix, which is truly a multinational firm. But I started in the marketing space and was selling everything from oscilloscopes, which by the way, there were a plethora of them in our physics labs, to selling linear devices, linear editing devices. So this is one of these areas where we're able to bring what we learned to use in the areas we worked. And then from there, I moved to the US and went to graduate program here at Wake Forest University and did a master's in business administration and then started working at Dell. So that was my journey. I'm curious because it sounds like you really had, based off your description, a lot of support and encouragement to pursue this path when you were back home in India. Did you see and did you work with a lot of women in the field at that time? Actually not. (laughs) To to be honest with you, when I worked in India with Tectonics, it was predominantly an entirely male-dominated team. Now that I think about it, it is a long time ago, almost 25 years ago, the entire organization that I worked with, whether it was sales or product development or marketing, was really male-oriented. And I was one of the very few female talent in the organization. But at the same time, look, what, what is very, and this has been, and this has resonated for me quite a bit, is where you get your energy from, as well as your passion from, is who you are with, your peer set. I had the immense fortune of having very talented cohorts, both male and female, that were future game changers. And I think that was instrumental alongside my family support in terms of trying to find a path and identifying the path that led me to where I am today. And where you are today, Senior Vice President of Secure Power North America at Schneider Electric. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that you're in right now? Well, before I jump into the role, Sam, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about Schneider, right? Mm. Schneider's purpose is to empower everyone to make the most of our energy and resources. And this means bridging progress and sustainability for all. And what that means is that Schneider functions both in the energy management space as well as in the automation space. And in essence, we provide both efficiency and sustainability for customers through our solutions. And you will see that, you will see Schneider products 
in four out of 10 homes in the US. You oh. will see us in buildings, you will see us in, in infrastructures and industries, and you will see us in data centers. We are what's behind everything that powers these ecosystems. And as far as secure power is concerned, as part of that overarching energy portfolio, my team and we provide power and cooling solutions to all our customers. So think about large data centers and the secure power portfolio powers those data centers. Mm -hmm. And our goal really is to help our customers build highly resilient and highly efficient data centers with the objective in the future to think of how to electrify, how to digitize, and how to decarbonize. So this way, we are creating a more sustainable environment and a more sustainable planet for all of us. Wow, this is, I mean, we need more and more companies to have these objectives that you put out. It's more important than ever right now. And personally, for you, what changes would you like to see within your role at the company over the course of your time at Schneider? You know, just for context, I've spent about four months at Schneider now. As a, as a transition from Dell, I took about a year and a half sabbatical during COVID and then just started at Schneider in January. So to be a part of an organization and learning at a pretty rapid pace is a very interesting and exciting time to be at. The area that I would say that less about change, but more about continued focus is number one products, right? Continued focus on products that are next generation products that not just game change, but inspire our customers to be part of that ecosystem of being a more sustainable country, I would say, and a more sustainable planet. And, I, and as you saw week before last, the entire corporate as well as nonprofit community was at Davos at the Economic World Economic Forum. And Schneider's intention to be carbon neutral by 2030, all of its operations, as well as be net zero in its supply chain by 2050 is a pretty lofty goal. Mm -hmm. So having the right product, having the right technologies that simplify that effort for ourselves, as well as for our partners and our customers, is a journey that we need to continue to be on mm -hmm. and also accelerate. So I would say that would be the most critical area of focus. Well, it's wonderful that we're talking about this because more and more as people become aware of, of course, the climate crisis, the environmental crisis that's happening right now, there's a lot of greenwashing that happens with some companies and corporations who have, you know, who put out these goals to be more environmentally friendly, but they're not necessarily mm -hmm. backing it up with action. So mm -hmm. do you think from your perspective that at least in the world of engineering and STEM, that more and more companies and corporations are working towards that shared objective? Absolutely. I do think, I think there's definitely an overarching realization that Corporate entities, as well as nonprofit entities, need to be part of the process. It is not going to happen by itself, right? And recently, about 42% of the top 1,000 companies have set emission reduction goals. And that's, that's a fairly substantial. We're talking about close to 500 companies of the top 1,000 companies. And I think that's critical. There is also this aspect of 
what approach do you take in order to be systemic Mm -hmm. um, and drive a systemic solution to sustainability? Mm -hmm. And this is where, as companies focus on reducing waste through digitization, replacing fossil fuels through electrification, and engaging the entire supply chain, which is, you know, these three steps are the process that Schneider uses. And as other companies get very systemic about it Mm. and are able to articulate the progress made along those dimensions, the whole concept of greenwashing becomes lesser Mm -hmm. and you're really letting analytics and data deliver the results in terms of how companies are contributing to this agenda. Mm -hmm. You spoke about change on a systemic level and you know, it's obvious throughout your career that you have wanted to be a part of creating more diverse, more inclusive environments for people. So can you speak to the steps that you create to foster those environments for the teams that you oversee in your position? It was early on that I learned that in any organization, in any company, any ecosystem, people are really our true assets. And I used to lead customer experience at Dell a long time ago, and we did some detailed analysis that articulated really when you have happy, delighted people, they translate it to happy, delighted customers. And there's a fact for you. And within that construct, diversity and having the right thought and the right experience at the table matters, and it matters from the beginning i.e. when we bring in talent that is new to the company, that is coming from universities, it's their first job, we have to hire people that are diverse in their experiences. So it starts there. And so we have always made a pretty conscious effort through, and I see this at Schneider today as well, in hiring from universities that allow for this diversity of thought and background. The second thing I would say is, As we groom talent in an organization, the talent that we hire that's diverse on the front end of the spectrum needs to continue to move through the ranks. Mm -hmm. And this is where leaders need to be responsible. And it is our duty to take risks and promote and groom all people from all backgrounds and all experiences. Because as you see, as you reach the top of the organization, the profile looks very different than, you know, it is when you're hiring in. So having diversity in an organization is really a function of maintaining and managing the talent pool through the entire curve and consciously working at it in a much, in, again, in a very systemic manner across the curve to make sure that we leave our unbiased opinions and an unbiased thoughts aside and really create a diverse organization of today as well as future. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about hiring and bringing in new talent, but it's top to bottom having a seat at the table for all sorts of voices. Absolutely. You also work for a nonprofit, Dress for Success, which is dedicated to empowering women on their path to economic independence. You had served as well as chair and board member for Asians in Action while you were at Dell. What do you think from those experiences has been your biggest takeaway from working with organizations like those? 
You know, some of it I addressed with your previous question, Sam, but I'll provide two, two specific thoughts here. The first one is I chose to be a co-chair and a board member of Asians in Action at Dell because I was one of those people 25 years ago who emigrated to the U.S. and did not know where to start, right? And how to evolve my career in the company. And there's very talented people that are coming into these organizations to be able to take a lesson learned from my page, as well as many peers who are like me from our pages and provide and make their transition simple and their growth not as difficult and streamlined was my objective. So it's a continuing process. And I certainly enjoy that process immensely. Because the second point that I'm going to bring up is we have our responsibilities personally, and we have a responsibility professionally. And a big part that overlaps both those responsibilities for me is an opportunity to give back. Mm. And with both board positions, I had an opportunity to give back to the community, whether it was a community within Dell or with Dress for Success, the community of women that certainly are talented and for whatever the reason have come out of the workforce and need help to get back into the workforce to support their families and oftentimes as an independent income earner and to provide a support to that diverse ecosystem is is critical. So that is the overlap between how you allow your passion to give back to intersect with your daily lives. Mm -hmm. And again, this links in with the conversation we had about people and the fact that in both these buckets of work that I do, I meet super talented people every day. And and these super talented people can find spots in the companies that I'm working for or in other organizations with other mentors, with other friends, with other partners. So The objective is to use these platforms to also further the talent conversation. Mm -hmm. And your experiences at Dress for Success, at Asians in Action, how have you taken what you've learned from working with those organizations into the leadership role that you have today at Schneider Electric? Look, a big part of our growing every day is truly to be a more effective listener. I started at Dress for Success recently, and I've spent 25 years in this country, but yet there is so much to learn in terms of the ecosystem around Dress for Success and why we do what we do with that program. So this is constant effort. And likewise, at Schneider as well as in a relatively newer employee, to be mindful and to practice the dimension of continuous learning and continuous listening to make sure that I'm able to connect the dots and I'm able to bring value through these organizations, the the challenges, the needs that folks have in Address for Success as a nonprofit, in some instances are not very different from the challenges and needs that people faced in Asians in Action. So I think it's connecting the dots that really helps us to build scale in whichever organization that we are a part of. 
Yeah, because as in as much as there is endless amounts of diversity and more representation that's needed, there's still always common denominators among us, no matter where we're from. Exactly. Exactly. And when you think about Dress for Success, we currently work with them in resume writing. We work mm-hmm. with them in interviewing skills. We mm-hmm. work with them with mock interviews. And then when I pivot, we have done exactly the same thing with Asians in Actions, so much so that we have worked on how to streamline our accents so that we are understandable, right? And this is a very sensitive topic, but it yeah. is a critical topic, which you know our employees brought to us. And pivot again, and you're in the Schneider environment. And as recently as last week, I spent at least three sessions getting to know people in my organization. And these are not managers, these are not leaders, and some are simply individual contributors to understand where they are coming from and what is required for their growth and development, because they are critical players in the organization and the focus on their development and their grooming to continue so that they can continue to contribute in the organization is critical. So Mm -hmm. all those three conversations are connected. Mm -hmm. These skills are connected. And I think that's the that's what I most enjoy about being able to pivot through these various platforms and see the common thread through all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what you said. You know, you said it was a sensitive topic for a lot of people, perhaps who have immigrated, perhaps where there may be a language barrier. Have you had a chance to work with people? Because you said, you know, you have to be able to communicate effectively. But it's a delicate balance, right? Because you still want to preserve and celebrate the culture from which they came, right? So have you worked in that delicate balance, so to speak? Do you mean me personally? Or are you asking if I have watched it? Um, Can you clarify for me? Yeah. So, you know, in your role in helping to promote more diverse and inclusive environments Mm -hmm. in the teams that you oversee, it's a delicate balance and it can be quite sensitive, as you mentioned, for a lot of people Mm -hmm. who perhaps English is not their first language, where there's Mm -hmm. a a language barrier. However, they do still need to communicate effectively Mm -hmm. while at the same time preserving and celebrating their own culture that they come Mm -hmm. from. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to how people are able to navigate that balance? Mm -hmm. It's It's a delicate one. Yes, yes. You know, thanks. Thank you for the clarification. And look, it takes a lot of courage to speak up, to ask for help on aspects such as this in our lives, right? And I have been part of programs that we have pulled together in the past, especially with the Asians in Action program, where we had a very talented individual who reached out to help in terms of not to change his accent completely, Mm -hmm. but to streamline and tailor his presentation, right, in English. Mm -hmm. And that led, the question is not about changing him. Mm -hmm. The question is about how can we help him be more effective in what he does because he's already incredibly great, Mm -hmm. right, with what he does. So we worked to pull together a very effective, very small program where we had a communications expert take an entire day, build an entire day's class, 
for no more than 10 people at a time who were interested in this, in addressing this specific opportunity and walk them through the tweaks, the small tailoring that needs to happen without compromising who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it is possible. We have done it and we have seen multiple people go through this program and continue to be who they are mm-hmm. and continue to excel and in some instances accelerate how they present themselves and, you know, be, it's actually, it's quite a delight to watch them as they have transitioned through these efforts. But again, you raise a great point and I'm not a native English speaker myself. Mm-hmm. But I have learned English since I was in primary school. The enunciations, the focus, it is just a matter of tailoring. It is not a matter of changing oneself. Mm. I love that. I love that distinction that you made. Thank you for that. Sure. Over the past two years, you know, many people are going by what lots are calling the hybrid model. They're mm-hmm. working at the office, also working home part-time, sometimes full-time, depending on their work situation. Some people argue, and this is always, you know, the great debate these days. Some people are arguing that this has really disrupted the traditional career development or evolution. But in your opinion, how can employees continue to grow and advance in their career and build relationships while in this hybrid virtual environment that's our reality right now? Right. Right. Look, you know, I do believe it when folks say that there has been some disruption in the traditional career development path. But anytime I see a disruption in a traditional path, I always find there's an opening in the untraditional avenues. So the marketplace in general for candidates has been pretty, pretty hot in the last year, year and a half, especially as the great great resignation has also taken the space that it has taken in the corporate slash non-corporate world, right? So my advice to employees is really the following. When we end up being in hybrid models or in 100% work from home models, we tend to be connected to our systems (laughs) or our laptops. So the primary goal should be, how can we be strategic and tactical to disconnect from our day-to-day and not be bogged down with the list of actions that you have to complete? And you will have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. Mm. But to take the time to connect, to take the time to connect with your fellow peers, with the core group of mentors that you're working with, or rather should be working with, and be very intentional about it. It would have been much easier if you're in the office. It is much harder when you're in your study or wherever you are working on your system. So the intentionality to focus on your career growth becomes, takes a very big part, or rather plays a very big part in the future and today. So I think, I think that's, that's definitely one that I would highly recommend. And the second thing that I would say is often people think that growth comes because you went and met somebody who's an executive or a senior executive in an organization and you had that one great touch point. 
I have always believed that growth comes from your peers first. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much time each one of you are taking to connect with your peers and talk about game change, talk about creative problem solving is important because I find on a consistent basis that I learn most from my peers and I have the most interesting ideas through my conversation with my peers. So my advice is not to underestimate the power of connection with your peers because that is very important. And the third thing is I would say Career development is always a function of creativity and creative disruption. So in a world of today where we all spend an incredible amount of time in front of a computer, Mm -hmm. my challenge to myself, especially in a new job, is how much time am I giving to thinking about things differently? Because Mm -hmm. your career development is very much a function of what you're doing today. And if what you do today is based on thinking differently and based on creative game change, the probability that you will get noticed is much higher. Mm. So those are the three things that I would say that are certainly important that I think of every day as I am evolving in in my own role in a new company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Schneider Electric, you've spoken about how they're really walking the talk of being progressive here. And so when it comes to having that hybrid work model, how has Schneider Electric adapted to this new way of working? I think Schneider has done wonderfully well. I was to my delight when I saw the list of programs and efforts that are in place to preserve and to retain our employees I was simply blown away in the sense that not only have we created incredible programs that allow you to have that work-life balance, whether it is how to take care of your pet, how to go get the time to take care of aging parent, Mm. to the right mental health programs that enable you to disconnect and reset and come back to work. The list goes on. I will make the statement that couple of months ago, as HR leader was walking all of us through this list of programs and getting feedback, my ask was, what is new on this list? And the entire list was new. And so one of the reasons that I chose to come to Schneider is because of this culture, this kind culture that Schneider truly practices that helps them retain employees and that helps them truly take care of the employees with their needs and tailor the work environment and tailor that employee's specific needs and provide the ecosystem for that employee to be successful. And there are many examples of this. And so I have been incredibly surprised as well as incredibly thrilled with all the efforts that have been put in place. Mm-hmm. Our listeners, I'm sure, will be curious to know more about starting and building a career at Schneider Electric after you've detailed your awesome experience there so far. What is the best way that they can get in touch? Look, as you place this blog, we will have our link 
to Schneider, especially our key programs at Schneider. So I would suggest folks follow that link and get in touch with us. We are always looking for diverse talent, as I mentioned earlier during the session, and we would welcome any conversations that folks want to have with us. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go, if you could give just one piece of advice to our listeners who are inspired by your path and want to follow your lead and move up those ranks, which you mentioned a few times is something really, really important. What advice would you pass on to them? I'd say about three things. And first one is to be authentic. Mm. People see people see through to an act real quickly. So the key is you are who you are. So as you seek to grow your career, be authentic to who you are. I think that's number one. And part of being authentic is also to chase experiences. Oftentimes I have folks asking me, how do I get to this position or that position or this level or that level? And I have always talked about don't chase positions, chase experiences, because Mm. experiences make who you are. And as part of chasing the experiences, be open-minded to taking risks. Mm-hmm. And those risks, while at the time may not look to be very interesting, they will always help us learn, you know, some small nugget that will help you in your future. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I will say is always build a network of mentors and sponsors whom you trust, because these are people that you can take a business problem to and get their perspective. You can take a personal problem too, and get a perspective. And you can also take this aspect of, well, how do I grow my career and get perspective? So I have hugely benefited from having an incredible resource of mentors and sponsors, again, who've been peers, Mm -hmm. as well as leaders in the organization that I have trusted. And they have been very much a part of my growth in this country over the last 25 years. Vandana, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to speak with us and share your insights today. I'm going to remember that one, the don't chase the position, go after the experiences instead. That's, uh, I think that's going to land with a lot of people. So thank you. Sam, it was my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I'm Sam East. For all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, altogether at altogether.swe.org.